are listening to WHOA Podcast, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV Podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. <laughs> my name is Colin Austin, and my co-host is a master of UCE, that stands for Ultimate Customer Experience, champion of communicating clearly, and captain of Team Ennis Pharrell. Let me introduce the one, the only, Michael Dees. What's up, man? Nothing, just a couple of rum and cokes. I like how many <laughs> eyes are in Michael here. I know, yeah. that's, why I, that's why I said that. Yeah. I feel like she did that on purpose <laughs> so I could like make sure to... like. Do that exactly like that. What's up, man? I like I like the champion of communicating clearly too. That's my favorite core value, and I think she probably knows that. Is it? Yeah, communicating clearly. It's the hardest one, but core it's the one I'm like obsessive over. Number seven. Yeah. That's vital to yeah. teams. Yeah, communicate it's clearly. So hard, but it's so necessary. Yeah. So what's up? Not much, man. Another nighttime podcast. This is good. The energy's yeah, I know. good. I love recording at night. For those of you <laughs> that are listening to this at Monday at 8 a.m., like we are recording this on Wednesday at 9 p.m. I'd love to know if people can tell the difference. Like, uh, like just if like blind, <laughs> we blind watch. Yeah, we should. Which episodes? I, we probably say it, though. I mean, I'm sure. But maybe from this point forward. I don't know. I don't See if man. you can tell the difference in energy between nighttime and, and morning podcasts. Uh, I have no idea. Well, today, today is November 11th. Okay. It's Veterans Veterans Day. Day. So happy Veterans Day. I don't know if our listeners know this, but my dad served in the Air Force for Mm -hmm. a very long time. He was a fighter pilot, flew F-111s and was, you know, training, training people on uh, T-38s and a whole bunch of other things. I mean, awesome. So I want to say happy Veterans Day and I want to give, send a lot of love to my dad, but just super grateful for everybody who serves our country. Thank you so, so, so very much. Um, you guys, I just love all of you. Um, so it's awesome that today is Veterans Day. Absolutely, yeah. And actually while, while we're on it, I want to, I actually want to give some like, just shout outs. You know, we started doing like the nonprofit shout outs, but I thought with today being Veterans Day, I thought it would be like really awesome just to kind of highlight a lot of the veterans programs that we have, sure. you know, right here in Alachua County and in Gainesville. So we have Alachua County Veterans Services Division. Kim Smith is the director over there. Mad love for you. Um, Ty- Tyler Laborde, I think I'm saying that right. Team RWB and Florida Four Warriors. Um, then like we have Matthew Burke who runs Tin Can Inc. So, just mad love to you and Michelle Dunlap, Service Dogs for Patriots, Randy Dexter, Canines for Warriors. You guys, these are these are programs right here in Gainesville, Florida. And I'm I'm probably sure that I'm sure we're even missing oh, some. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but I just want to send a lot of love to to all of you guys and everything that you're doing for our veterans. Um, you know, it's pretty awesome because like, did I tell you that I spoke at the Veterans Entrepreneurship Program yeah. at at UF? No. Uh, when was that? Uh, I don't know. It was a couple. It was a couple months ago, I think. Um, but you do a lot. It's, t- it's dude, tough to keep I, up with them. <laughs> I know it, it really is. But you know, it was a it was an honor just to be asked to go and speak to um, the Veterans Entrepreneurship Program. UF does this, and so mad love to the University of Florida for doing this. But you know, they really um, coach um, entre- you know entrepreneurship to veterans who are you know now retiring and getting into the like the next stage and they want to be entrepreneurs and I just think it's an awesome program and I was just honored to be able to go and speak to that group and just met a lot of incredible veterans who you know 
did amazing things serving this country, but then to be able to like, uh, it's hard to even, you know, like, I, I can't even give back enough. Right. You know what I mean? Like, they do so, so much for our country. So the fact that I was able to even do just like this one hour talk was super special to me. And I feel like it's not nearly enough, of course, for everything that they do. Mm-hmm. But um, but it was still honor to, 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 to do that. So um, anyway. Happy Veterans Day. Uh, it's it's awesome. And I'm, I'm excited to get into this episode. But before we do, I, I'm going to let you give a shout out to our sponsors, baby. Right. Opus Coffee. How about Opus Coffee? How about that new place you still haven't even taken me to yet? <laughs> <laughs> Opus Coffee I'm, just uh, opened up their brand new location, uh, 800 Southwest 2nd Ave at uh, end of September, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I know you've been there several times. I've walked by it, looked in from the glass. That's all I've gotten to do. But it's a beautiful <laughs> space, I hear. Uh, but definitely mad thanks to Opus. Uh, Opus Coffee for sponsoring this podcast um, and, and go check out their, their new space uh, there in the Innovation District. Okay, so we're going to do our next meeting there. Okay, finally. Because, I mean, so just so our audience knows, I've been having all of our repaint meetings there. <laughs> so <laughs> every, mon- every, Monday, take me there. every Monday morning, I've had, we've had our repaint meetings there, which is awesome. And they even have like a little conference room that you can like reserve out and stuff, which is really, really cool. But even without that, there's so much space and it's a beautiful space. And, and you guys, all I can say is like please support our sponsors um the the fact that they even like contribute you know to this and to the success of this is awesome i'm just i'm just pumped and grateful for for those and for anybody who wants to sponsor please reach out to me you can reach out to me directly at colin with two l's at repaintthewall.com um that's our digital media an agency and uh plug, plug. <laughs> and um you know i can definitely get you set up with a sponsorship but all the money goes to to funding this and helping us keep this going and you know it's, it's great because i was talking to our awesome guests which i cannot wait to introduce um you know about about the podcast and just again kind of reflecting the fact that we're at episode 79 mm-hmm. And you know, I can't even think about the impact that this is going to have. Episode five hundred, and you Dude, know, it's just crazy. I know it's, it's crazy. We've been like planning twenty twenty already, kind of looking ahead. You know, here we are at November November eleventh. Like the rest of the year is already booked out, which is awesome. And we have plenty of applications coming into the website, and it, it's just so cool to see everybody getting behind this. And so, I don't want to spend a, a ton of time. All I want to do really quick is just say thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you to everybody who supports this podcast that has bought a shirt, that has subscribed on Patreon, um, that is sending sponsors our way, and that are just listening and leaving us a review and everything, just helping and encouraging us to 100% just keep making it bigger and better. And if you share it with somebody, like, thank you. Uh, it's it's awesome to see how far it's come. And it's 70, 79 humbling, episodes, super gratifying. I, it is. And, it, and it keeps the passion, it keeps the hunger to it, keep doing it what is, we're doing. Man. So. Ah, I'm pumped. Are you ready to get <laughs> the ready. episode? I'm I know. So like, I'm sorry it's, to everybody who's listening and we spend like 10 minutes. Like, okay, like, get talking, on them. Get on the guest. They're like, yeah, let's go. Let's get into the episode. And I can totally empathize with that because I'm long-winded to begin with, so I apologize. But you guys, today on the show, we have Dan Wiseman of the Wiseman Law Firm. And I am pumped because he is a veteran in our armed forces and served in the army. Dan, thank you so much for being here and welcome to our show. 
Thanks, Colin. It's really an <laughs> honor to be here. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Uh, it, it's <laughs> here we are. It's nighttime. I'm feeling loose. I just spoke at you up a little bit. I'm like ready to get into it. So I, so our format, we like to just really start with your story, man. And I would love to hear, you know, like your service. Thank you for that, by the way. Sure. And um, and then how you got into law. So tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, man, I'm I'm glad to do it. I'm a Gainesville guy and and have been for some time. My folks moved here in like 82, 83. I must have been four or five years old, something like that. And Gainesville was a great place to grow up. So you're an ACR. Yes, sir. Of course. Yes, sir. I, <laughs> You've been I, here a long time. I am an ACR with pride. <laughs> yes, sir. Okay. What brought yeah. them to Gainesville? Uh, college. Okay. Yeah, my they, they were coming here to work on their master's degrees. And that's what brought them to Gainesville. And, uh, you know, it, this has always been home to me, even though I've spent, you know, certain periods of time, you know, away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but we're glad to be back here now for sure. So, cool. Grew up here. I'm Gainesville guy, uh, GHS, old Purple Hurricane class okay. of 96. Okay. I uh, went on to UF here uh, for undergrad. And I guess I just got the bug, you know. Um, Hold on, real quick. When so I'm very interested about this. Just mm-hmm, yeah, it's completely off subject. But you know, I'm raising my family here. I got two boys. They're ten and six. You know, I'm just kind of interested on whether or not they're going to go to the University of Florida if they're going to grow up in that culture and want to be Gators, or if mm-hmm. they're going to like look at Gainesville as like, oh man, I'm I'm piecing out. See ya, Gainesville. Right. Like for you, like was it kind of like seated that you were going to be a Gator, or were you like? Uh, did you think about going somewhere else or was it always like, I'm going to be a Gator? So I know what you're getting at, yeah. right? <laughs> I had buddies in high school that were just chomping at the bit to get, to get, to get on out of Gainesville and, okay. you know, go explore the wider world and all that good stuff. Uh, and then I had friends who just recognized that this was a great place to grow up and, you know, uh, grew up here and, and haven't left and now, and they're still happier than clams. You okay. know? So uh, I've seen it both ways. Me personally, I'll tell you this, uh, I grew up here and of course as a kid, you don't understand, you know, that you're growing up in a good community that's great for raising kids of your own and all that stuff like that because kids don't know that kind of stuff. But, you know, I've been around the block, been all around the world and this is the place where my wife and I chose to bring our boys back here to raise them up. Okay. So, yeah, love Gainesville. Awesome. Yeah. All right, so sorry. Continue. No, continue it's, on. It's, it's it's all good, man. You went to UF. Yeah. Uh, happy uh, ACR Gator. Uh, I got real fired up about going into the service when I was uh, getting ready to graduate from college. Both of my grandfathers were in the Second World War. Um, my grandfather on my mother's side was a French Jew who was an officer in the French Medical Corps and was in Paris moments before Paris fell. He was able to uh, extract himself through Morocco and whatnot in what what will be another story for another time uh, and made his way back to America where uh, where he was a psychiatrist for a number of years. On my father's side, my grandpa was uh, in the war uh, in in the American Army, uh, Battle of the Bulge, and uh, had a really uh, an honorable term of service. Uh, and those guys really, you know, instilled. Uh, I just respected the hell out of them. 
And so when I was a, a young man coming up, cutting my teeth, I, I decided that service was something that I wanted to get into. Do you remember like what, you know, year, like how, how old you were when that, when that I happened? do remember it and I can tell you exactly what it was. Okay. A couple of guys that I was friends with, Gainesville guys, but uh, East Side guys, uh, you know, IB program type dudes. We had taken a, a Euro trip during our sophomore year of college, right? Uh, London, Paris, Amsterdam, Prague, whatnot. You know, a, a typical uh, college Euro trip, roughing it with backpacks and whatnot. When we went to Prague, what I saw was this beautiful, ancient city with smog on the buildings and people with just a sense of desperation in their eyes. Hmm. And for some reason, sometimes it takes you till you're like 20 for things to click. But I looked around at this beautiful, amazing place with these people, you know, people that wanted to live good lives. They were just beaten down and something just locked into place. And I really kind of got a strong feeling that this was because the government that these folks were living under wasn't doing them right. And it's not like the government that we have here that was installed by, you know, the founders over 200 years ago. And, you know, for, for all the great things that, that we have these days. And I really just had kind of like a, you know, a, like a road to Damascus type moment uh, and came back, uh, came back stateside. And I guess it wasn't too much longer after that, that I went over and, you know, went to the, rec the recruiter's office right over there on Archer Road. Uh, at least that's where it was back in the day and raised my right hand and decided that I wanted to go in. Okay. Yeah. So, so what, so what years did like, did you join the military? So my boot camp started on June 6th of 2000. Okay. I was up at Fort Benning, uh, home of the infantry up there in uh, Georgia, kind of near Columbus, Georgia, Phoenix city, the Georgia, Alabama border. Uh, I was there for boot camp, uh, officer candidate school. And then when I chose to go into the infantry, I was there for a number of, uh, you know, infantry type courses, airborne school, ranger school, whatnot. Uh, and then I moved on to my first couple of units and that was pretty much the shape that the next uh, three or four years took. Okay. And so, and you've been to Iraq, right? Yes. So, cause you said in 2003, you led sol soldiers in the 101st Airborne Division. I have it here in my notes. So that's uh, that's how things ended up turning out. Um, yeah. I mean, when you, I mean, I wanted to like get in, I want to talk about your law firm and everything else, but I'm, su yeah. I'm super interested, right? So in, in, in this, you know, you, you make this decision to serve, right? And then you actually, I mean, is it going through your mind that you're actually going to go to a place like Iraq? Well, like now what's that whole hornet's nest hadn't kicked off, you know, in 2000 when I joined. When I joined, it was for, you know, reasons of, I think, like general well-intentioned patriotism and, you yeah. know, a love for my grandfathers and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, and that is also, I, I think, what made me choose the infantry 
of all the different, you know, jobs in mm-hmm. the army. Uh, at the time, in, uh, you know, that pre-9-11 and just post-9-11, you know, time frame, Korea was, you know, considered one of the better places to go, you know, if you want to be in, uh, you know, one of the vacation hotspots around the world that you have the chance to go to as a service member, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my first duty station was over in Korea in a place called Camp Casey, maybe 10 or 15 kilometers shy of the DMZ up there. And that was a great, great experience, great unit, great guys, uh, great time. I was there for about a year and a half. Were you, were you already married at this point? No. Okay. No. <laughs> I wasn't married, I was not anywhere close to it, and I was cognizant of the fact that, you know, at that time, I felt like living that life and having, you know, a life partner who wants to live the rest of her life with me, you know, I I didn't see those two things as being two things that I wanted to tackle at the same time, right? Uh, You know, family life is, is hard for an infantry, Lifestyle, if you know what I mean. For sure. Uh, so, so how long were you in Korea for? I was there. For, it's typically a one-year tour. I had a great platoon, so I extended and stayed for an extra six months. And when I was coming back stateside at the end of that eighteen-month tour, they had asked me to go to the Florida phase of Ranger School. Not to get all kind of sidetracked, but. Ranger school in the Army has three different phases. The first one is at Fort Benning, and if the Ranger students graduate that phase, then they go up to the mountains, which is near Dahlonega, Georgia, kind of in that Georgia-Tennessee, like Tennessee Valley Divide area. If the students graduate from the mountain phase, then they go to what is called the swamp phase, which is uh, actually... You were mentioning your pops was was an Air Force guy. Mm-hmm. The swamp phase is held uh, on the in the footprint of Eglin Air Force Base out in the Panhandle, you know, near Destin and Fort Walton, Fort Walton Beach and whatnot. So uh, they had asked me to go work at Ranger School, you know, to help help train the Ranger students. I touched down, and about a month later, the war kicked off. They needed lieutenants, and so they loaned me out to the 101st for the prosecution of the ground war and, uh, you know, the, the number of months that, that followed after that. So I, uh, you know, packed my bags, right, uh, did all the pre-deployment stuff, got on a bird, flew uh, over to Kuwait, got on a bus, started heading north. People were getting off. I was staying on, and just shy of the uh, the Kuwait-Iraq border, they finally called my name. I walked off the bus. A colonel came and found me and said, Wiseman, I got a platoon for you. And the next morning, we crossed the border. <laughs> I can't even imagine. I'm like, like trying to like process all this. So, like, what was going through your mind? A lot, a lot. You know, when you're young and you're well trained, 
And how old were you at this time? Probably 24 or 25. Okay. Right. Uh, When you're young and you're well-trained, you feel like you're invincible, you're, you're not worried about tomorrow, but what you are worried about is the other American sons that, you know, you have been entrusted with. Mm. It's, it's something that I felt like I was well-trained for. I felt like, honestly, there was nobody in the world that was more well-trained and ready than I was at that time. But even with that being said, bro, it's, it's, a, legit, it, 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 it's a legit burden, right? Yeah. It's, a le- it's a legit burden to have, um, you know, to have the best guys you've ever known and, and their lives are in your hands. How many people? Uh, somewhere between 16 and 20 was, was in my platoon. It was a heavy weapons platoon, which is basically task organized with gun trucks, Humvees, uh, mounted automatic grenade launchers, 50 caliber machine guns, and uh, anti-tank weapons. So, so uh, yeah, that's, that's how it went down. I met these guys the night before we were crossing the border. The lieutenant who I was replacing had been fired for scandalous reasons. The men were down on, you know, morale morale was down and the men were down on officers. And... And here you are stepping into that? Yes. Man. (laughs) And all I could tell him was what I told him. And it was basically this. Words are cheap. We're about what we do. Y'all don't know me. It's my responsibility to earn your trust, and I'm gonna do it. When we cross that border, don't kill anyone who doesn't need killing, but if you run across a situation where it's him or you, let it be him. And things went fine. <laughs> that's pretty much, that's, that's pretty much, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty much how it went. So we racked out, got up nice and early the next morning, and, uh, and got after it. Dang. Yeah. So uh, that was a good and very eventful deployment. We, um, you know, engaged in a, in a number of operations from the border crossing to shooting the Karbala Gap, uh, a number of operations in Baghdad, all the way up through Mosul. And hey, uh, real quick, from a leadership standpoint, I mean, you step you step in, morale's down. I mean, what, like, was there anything that you, that you did? I mean, besides like that talk, right? Like you have to earn their trust. I mean, was there anything else that you did to really kind of bring the morale up? You have to put your best foot forward when you're in a situation with people who have been burned and who don't know you. And that's pretty much, that's pretty much what it is, right? soldiers, I think, um, you know, are, are somewhat analogous to, you know, the employees that we, uh, you know, try to shepherd, you know, uh, provide guidance to, provide good opportunities for, and to provide leadership for in, in the civilian world, right? Uh, there, there's an analogy here. People don't believe what you say, but they damn sure believe what you do. Mm. And 
if they see that you're the kind of guy who's going to eat last and never until they've eaten, you know, if there's a satellite phone going around, which was, of course, you know, cutting edge technology at the time, <laughs> right? Uh, and you're the boss, but the men see that you're not availing yourself of any of these creature comforts until they've had their chance to do it. If, if people see you, you know, not, not coddling people and not always putting everyone else first, but if people see you putting yourself last mm -hmm. in the infantry culture, that's, that's how you build people's trust and their faith in you one step at a time, you know, uh, that's on an interpersonal level. I think that people always also want to see that you have thought things through. People want to see that whenever you're engaging in any kind of like endeavor, that you've thought it through all the way to the end state and you've begun action with the end state in mind, right? People want to see when you're going through hard stuff together, right? People want to see that you're the kind of guy who will stop every so often and tell the guys what's going on, where we've come from, where we are, where we're going, right? And I bet this all resonates with you as as, as a business owner and as a leader, right? Yeah. The, it's, it's all the same. It's all Do, the same thing. You know in what? one context, bullets are flying. In another context, if you make mistakes, people lose their jobs. But leadership is the most devastating weapon on the battlefield whether it's in business or in war mm. so <laughs> it's so incredible to me i'll be honest like when i started this podcast i had no idea what was going like the stories that would come you know we started we started interviewing children authors sports figures business people now it definitely leans very business right sure but the lessons are applicable applicable across the board. Yes. Right? Whether you're talking about sports, I was even I was speaking at UF tonight. I'm talking about the fact you know I was, I was talking about Ahmad Black when he was on the on the show talking about sports culture, and like he's telling me about sports culture and the culture you know when he was a football player at the University of Florida. I'm just like, dude, this is completely applicable. Applicable. Can't You'll say that word. I'll get that word one day. Um, to to business. I mean, the culture that you're describing is the same as culture in business, and the things that you're describing in terms of leadership are the same thing in business. Yeah. So it's it's interesting because one, I had no intention of this podcast to go in this direction to start, which is what I absolutely love about the podcast as well, is that we're just like, hey, tell your story. And then and then we go down this this route, you know? And but man, talk about a leadership. I mean talk about a lesson in leadership. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. And um especially when I kind of think about how this is this was my first real job, so to speak. You know, aside from like the normal jobs that you have when when you're a kid, right? This was my first exposure to what it means to be a leader, what it means to have people relying on you, what it means to need to, to keep the faith with people, and what it means to be a guy who can, on one hand, be a shoulder to cry on, if that's what's needed, or to be a guy who will hand out a spanking, if that's what's needed too, right? All of these characteristics, all these things are 
on different ends of a, of a spectrum. Okay. But if you're going to be a leader, you have to have both of you have to have both of these characteristics in terms of their dichotomy, right? You have to be compassionate, but firm. You have to be you 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 know what I mean? Don't 100%. don't you find that it's the same way? Like sure. you know, in in the administration of your business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So. So I mean, that was that deployment, and that was just day one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. It On was day two. <laughs> it, it was a wild. It was it was a wild time. Uh, we got into a bunch of stuff, which you know that'll that'll have to be another story for another time. Uh, Let's just have a five hour podcast. Let's mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The um, I mean, so how long? So how long did you just, were you guys over there? That I don't exactly recall. Okay, uh, but. I mean, this isn't like a one week thing, right? This is like no, months. no, 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 no. It was it was months and months and months. months okay. Um, and I don't exactly recall how long we were there, but what I recall is that all of my men from that deployment made it home with all of their fingers, toes, arms, and oh legs, and eyesight intact. Amen so to that. For me, that's how I that's how I felt about that. We came back stateside. I. Uh, went back to, eventually my unit, you know, at Florida phase of Ranger School, started screaming about where I was and like, you know, we need them back, you know, yada, yada, yada. So uh, they finally got me back. And around that time, you know, I had just had a really good, you know, run, a really good experience with the guys. I'd just been accepted into law school, right? So I had that to think about and I started looking out over the career of, you know, what it means to be an officer in the infantry, uh, you know, looking at the careers of, you know, the colonels, the majors, you know, and asking myself, what is this going to look like if, you know, if this is your life path and your, and your career? And I was a relatively junior captain at, the po- at that point in time. I'd been in the army for just over four years, and it had been four years of you know almost all leadership time, right? Almost all time with soldiers. The longer you stay in, the more the army takes you away from that, right? There's just no better way to say it than that. Um, the army needs smart, intelligent, you know, thoughtful people to to do the planning and to ration out the beans and the bullets and, you know, all that stuff. We call that staff time. At the time, I looked back at, you know, all the great time that I had just had with soldiers. I was looking out at, you know, all the staff time that I would be facing if I if I stayed in. I decided that that just wasn't the right fit for me. Now, I mean, I'm still friends with a bunch of guys that I came up with in the army, you know, they're all majors and colonels now. And what I know now that I didn't know then is that if you really care about soldiers and if you if you really love soldiers, then, you know, do they need guys, you know, exiting the plane with them and taking doors with them? Yes, they do. But do they also need guys, you know, who are senior with common sense who can kind of make good plans and do all that higher level stuff in a good common sense way so that 
the men have like you know a fighting chance of survival and like the best kind of quality of life that they can have you you need that too you need good people doing that stuff too at that time in my mid-20s i just i didn't quite see that far out into the future okay uh, and so so does that make you wish that you would have stayed in longer so now? i think i think about that all the time uh i think that if i would have gone in on the enlisted side and you know not to run down this whole big rabbit hole but you know on the officer side they move you onwards and upwards as quickly as you know they're able to do so on the enlisted side you know you can work your way up through being you know a private a corporal a sergeant you know a more senior sergeant you can spend your whole career with a platoon right mm -hmm. if i would have gone on on the enlisted side i i might still be in today right i think about all the time getting out and now i have a wife who's just an absolutely rocking person i have two kids six and eight that are both just absolute wild men right and i wouldn't change anything about how things have turned out right so you can't kind of belabor like all the what ifs but yeah for sure but, but if i could still have all that and like you know have had things turn out that same way and still have stayed in you know i mean that probably would have been a good fit for me also uh but after i left you know that experience ended up uh really being relevant and paying dividends for me in some other career choices that i that i made uh, which i don't think that those opportunities would have opened up for me you know if i hadn't you know kind of walked that certain path you'll understand what i mean by that in a minute okay uh, but uh so i got out came back here for law school met my wife and we moved to tampa that's terrible. No, I'm right, right, right. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I love Tampa, actually. But, but all right, so you, went, you moved to Tampa. Tampa's a good town, right? Uh, and it was really good to Olivia and I, right? Especially kind of during that, you know, like young, like me and you, honey. Mm -hmm. You know, like it was, it's, it's, it was, it was a good town, uh, and it was good to us, you know, when our when our boys were young. Also, I was hell bent for leather on being a prosecutor when you know, I left law school and that was pretty much getting out of the army and going to law school. I was like, you know, being a prosecutor was what I wanted to do. And I was super jazzed up about it. Okay. Can we touch on this for a minute? Like, what was it? Like, why did you want to go to law school? Was there, was that always like a childhood passion or something? Or like what led to the moment where you're like, all right, I want to, like, I want to be a lawyer. Yeah. I mean, I really, I was that kid when you're a kid who isn't just going to sit there and play Monopoly. I'm going to get out the rule book. You understand what I'm saying, right? And, I totally get what you're saying. And it's not because I'm a Boy Scout. And I'm really good at Monopoly, by the way. Right, yeah. And, and, and it's not because I'm a Boy Scout, but like I'm just the kind of guy where like I like to know what the rules are that are governing all of our conduct, and I like to know how to turn those wrenches if I need to also, okay. right? Uh, so it was just something that I had always that I had always been interested in. I didn't know really that 
that that would come to fruition as, as wanting to be a prosecutor until I started going to law school and kind of figuring out what the different opportunities were, what the different jobs were, what the different career paths were. Okay. Uh, when did you go to law school? 05, 06, 07. Okay. Here in Gainesville, which okay. was a good, a good time to be here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my, sure. my wife was uh, an Orlando girl, right? But when she came here to Gainesville, uh, aside from having uh, you know questionable questionable judgment in men, it was a, <laughs> it was a great time to be. Right, like, All right. It was a great time to be here in Gainesville. You know, we're winning national championships left and right. Yeah, uh, you know, it was so she she got a good impression of of the town. Uh, we moved to Tampa, and I actually got picked up by kind of a little known prosecutorial outfit uh, that is a, a wing of the Attorney General's office, which is called the Office of Statewide Prosecution. They typically don't hire people right out of law school because, you know, you end up doing some heavy stuff, right? Uh, but a friend of mine had been kind of shopping my resume around with, like, you know, the people who run in these circles. The boss of the Tampa AG's office was a guy who just happened to be a 28-year Army infantry colonel and a company commander in Vietnam. So when my resume came across his desk, he felt like taking a chance on me. And that worked out, uh, you know, ending up in a a great six-year run where I basically was allowed to specialize in working on big cases with seasoned detectives to build racketeering and conspiracy cases on street gangs and drug trafficking organizations and other people who make things go bang in the night. And so that was that was a lot of fun and it was it was a good time. Uh, but you know when you purposely go looking for the most violent people you can find and then poke them with sticks, hmm. right? Hmm. Uh, there's a certain, you know, there's a certain element of, you know, there's there's a certain element of hazard involved. And once our boys came along, you know, I felt like that had been a good run, but I was looking for something a little bit different. So I went into private practice. Okay, so once you and Olivia had children, yes. you moved back to Gainesville? Yes, Relatively speaking, okay. uh, I think that when we moved back here, one of the boys was, you know, maybe four or f- five and the other one was three. You know what I mean? Like right, they yeah, were still yeah, yeah. young, but like we kind of it started. Was a good time to, to go. Yeah, we, we once once our second boy arrived, we really started having that family discussion about where we want to raise these kids at. And, you know, that that culminated in us moving back here. And why Gainesville? Just because it was your home for so long or? Yeah, basically, yes. Um, you know, we are both Florida people. We we like being here. Is she a Gator too? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We. She went to Wake Forest for her undergrad. I can't believe that. But no, then, <laughs> okay. such a better rival, the, the uh, Demon Deacons know, right? and the Gators. <laughs> Just kidding. But then back here for law school, which is okay. of course where we met. Uh, okay. And so, uh, yeah. So. So what we, year did you start the law firm? Uh, I've been. I was in private practice in Tampa, you know, for a few years. Uh, and then, you know, there's not much difference between my practice here and there other than it's in a different place. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. 
Cool. So what year did you guys move back to Gainesville? I want to say it was like early 2017, late 2016, something like right in that. I love that you're like me and we're just terrible with dates. Like, <laughs> I can never remember dates. No, I'm, like, uh, I'm like, it was July 3rd, 2015. Right. You know, like, <laughs> yes. I can tell you what's going on, but as far as dates go, like, yeah, like the time uh, does. Right around yes, that time. Right, yeah. Between, you know sometime in a 10 year period right yeah. Yeah, yeah so you've been back for a few years been back for a few years i still i still do kind of feel like i'm getting my uh my acr sea legs back okay right all uh, right but but definitely uh definitely having a great time at it okay cool and i know for a little while like you had uh you had a small business right like a junk removal company so there is this uh junk removal company that's very explicit to veterans, right? All of the business owners are veterans and it encourages you to go hire veterans. Uh, I had been spinning that up, you know, as uh, in addition to, you know, to everything else that I've, that yeah, I've been you doing. obviously don't have enough. Right, do. right, right. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so I took a, uh, you know, a brief hiatus to, to get that spun up, uh, and when my law practice got busier and busier and I found myself like deeply involved in the management of two very active businesses at a, at a time, yeah. you know, it became a, evident to me that Tarzan's got to pick one vine to swing mm. on. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, now I'm, I'm hundred percent law practice all the time. Right. Which is, which is good and keeps me busy. Yeah. Yeah. Got to stay. Got to stay focused. Yes, you got. I'm, I'm very. Like uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anybody who knows me knows <laughs> that I am definitely not an entrepreneur who is like super focused on one thing. I I just I have a passion for entrepreneurship, so I'm like I'm constantly, you know, somebody could approach me tomorrow and be like, Yo, I got the business opportunity for you. You can invest and own ten percent of this company. This is what it does. Here's how much it is. Like, do you want to do it? I'm like, Hell yeah, I want to do it. Let's go. You know, like yeah. I just I I love. I don't. I love building teams, impactful teams. Um, you know, so I, I'm definitely one of those guys who likes to do a little bit of everything. But well, I've, sometimes I've, it's hard. It is hard to stay focused. It is. Know? And, and hell, like even this podcast. This podcast right now is a glorified hobby. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, like we're investing a lot of time, a lot of money into it, and I absolutely love it. And it's one like I talk about. It's the highlight of my week. I love getting in here and recording. Yeah. And the fact, you know, I'm told you the fact that I'm doing it twice this week is right. like, oh, like, I'm yeah. on cloud nine. Right. The fact that we've recorded twice in like this one week period. I know that for everybody's listening, I understand that we put them out every Monday at eight a.m. But recording wise, we've recorded. Twice this week, and I'm on cloud nine, man. I lo like I love this so much. Yeah, and I'm just like just you know, I'm just keep spending money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, once you but hit episode 500, dude, it'll be. Uh, I, I it'll, hope so, it'll man. I hope yeah. so, but I enjoy it so much. But no, I'm definitely so. It's hard for me. <laughs> well, there's an old focused, there's an old saying that goes, you know, a person can have uh, you know as many investments as you want, but only, but you can only have one business. I don't right. know whether that, that's true dude, or not, but that's, I think that's that is an old saying, true. right? Yeah. I definitely think that's 100% true. I can't, like, I wouldn't be able to be focused on new scooters for less and our our media unagency re repaint the wall, right? Like, I'm fo I'm over here. Now, sure, like, I definitely, de consult, you know, consult, talk to but, me, yeah. but, but he's running the company. Yes. You know what I mean? And yes. Like, would I be able to run both companies? No. 
Like, absolutely not. Like he's running the, he's running new scooters for less and I'm over here focused on the new thing, right? Um, and then together we do the podcast, which is just a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. I mean, like it could turn into something else, but right now it's just like, it's 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 a hobby. It's our way of giving back to Gainesville, you know? So, yeah. um, but anyway, I'm, I guess I'm the guy who likes to like be in everything. <laughs> so, so you were telling me that you have new scooters for less has been in business for getting on 15 years now you said 15, so 15 yeah. years in uh, March. This past march yeah. that's pretty impressive man thanks man yeah yeah it's, what was, do you remember what good. the scooter scene was like when you were here the first time all right dead to uh 2000 uh i don't remember there being very many of them uh, so you were here in 2000 so was i mean it? i i grew up here you right, know like i i recall this area as being like that area kind of near the old health food store called Mother Earth. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like so, so. What years were you at UF though? Uh, ninety six through two thousand. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I when when you graduated, I started. Okay. So I start. I was here from two thousand to two thousand four. So, dude, it's so interesting to see like the layers and. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on though. So you were here ninety six to two thousand. Yes, for undergrad. You got it championship in 96 and then you came back in he's been 2006 bro maybe i'm the good luck charm i'm saying <laughs> right? like, i'm saying you've been back since when uh 2016 2017 yeah, so so, like, so you know we're on the clock a couple a couple of building years <laughs> yeah, and uh, we're on the clock know, i like hey, it well <laughs> who you know, knew but if now you we listen, know hey if, if you listen to scooter magruder the gators <laughs> are going to win a national championship yes. this year so uh <laughs> You know, <laughs> he if, thinks everybody's getting. He's like the new the Gator, Florida Gators will right. win a national championship. <laughs> Listen, guys, I if, that guy. if, if I have to, you will be, be on the podcast one day. I'm putting this out there, Scooter Magruder. If you hear this, you will be on this podcast. Yes, and we and, need to make that happen. And if I have to be the good luck charm, you know, to bring us not, another national championship, then for sure, that that's a burden that I'm willing to bear. Okay, yes, <laughs> thank you, thank you for that commitment. We appreciate it. So I mean, uh, all right, so law firm. Moved to Gainesville, 2017. Yeah. You had you had this um, junk removal business for a little while. For a minute, yeah. Okay, for a minute. Uh, I mean, I I really love that this employee veterans. Yes, and that's what I liked about it too. And that's why you got into it. Yes, it's a franchise okay. or yes, okay. it's, it's, it is. A, it's a franchise, and the whole jam is, is is that they employ veterans. That yes, is the jam. That's the whole jam. Okay. Of the company, which was which is why I got into it when we, when we moved back here. I really was kind of blown away by how great the veterans community is here in Gainesville. And I don't know any other way to say this than to say that Gainesville, for some reason, like punches above its weight in terms of like how strong and vibrant the veterans community is here for being that it's like a, you know, a mid-sized, you know, smaller town, Mm -hmm. right? Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? You know? Yeah. And I don't know why things are this way. I think maybe it, you know, if I had to kind of like, you know, think over it, I'd say that it probably has something to do with, you know, the university came here and then a big medical community came here and then a VA hospital came here. And, you know, for another thing, um, you know, the American Legion, uh, it's a veteran services organization that was initiated right after World War One to help veterans. I think that the second American Legion chapter in the country was formed here in Gainesville. I, be- I believe that's a fact. So, you know, there's just been like real deep roots for a great veterans community here. Uh, and when we moved back here, I was really blown away by 
I was really blown away by it. You know, yeah. we have we have all the. All I mean, the, well, heck, that that list of you know businesses that you know groups that we announced at the beginning of the episode. I mean, you gave me that. Yes, list. and and you know what? I could probably like rattle off twenty or thirty more. Yeah. Like you know, Which just is amazing. Yes, yeah, it's uh, it's it's great. Gainesville's Gainesville's a great town for veterans. It's a good it's a good place to be a veteran. Uh, and there's a very strong, vibrant veterans community here, which was one thing that made that business resonate, you know, so, so well with me. Right. I mean, so real quick, did, like, do veterans have a hard time getting employed? Sometimes, sometimes they do. And, and is there a reason? Yes, there is. Although it's probably not something that you'll find written in any, you know, like, in any employee handbook or, you know, it's probably not the sort of thing that you will hear employers kind of like saying, but I do think that veterans can have more challenges getting employed than the average bear, Mm. right? And I think that one reason for it is that when, you know, when an employer looks at a veteran and he's, sees a person who has really seen some shit I think that there is a lot of times concerns on the employer's part that you know something might happen here in the workplace that's going to hit a little bit a little bit too close to home you know for for this guy and you know he might have a rough go of it I think that I think that that's I think that that's a perception that that people have uh, and so it, it can be hard for veterans to find jobs, you know, and I think that that fact is is corroborated by, you know, some of the statistics that the Department of Labor keeps and, and stuff like that. It's a, it's kind of a known, it's a known thing. Now, with that being said, uh, the, the federal government, of course, is very good about hiring veterans, you know, like that's, that's, uh, that's a known thing. A lot of employers are very, a lot of employers go the other way and say, we love veterans. We feel like these guys have been, you know, already inculcated with a lot of the leadership skills and, you know, the interpersonal skills that we want and that we need. I think a lot of employers see veterans as yeah, people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, see people as coming from a culture of teamwork. 100%. And, you know, uh, and I think that, um, I think that, that those, are, those are the good stories, right. you know, those, those are the good stories. I mean, hell, and, and beyond that, the fact that these individuals have served us, you know, how can we not, like, give back to them? I mean, <laughs> anytime that I have the opportunity, whether it's speaking, you know, like, whatever, like, yeah. I, I want to I give back everything that I can. Yeah. So, I mean. And the other thing is, when you're hiring veterans and you get, like, a couple of veterans all together, you know, they... Working together just in and of itself can be a therapeutic thing for mm-hmm. people who have been through some intense stuff, right? You know, having another guy to work shoulder to shoulder with that has walked some of the same earth as you and been through some of the th- same things as you can be a very therapeutic thing, you know, for for all those guys working together. So yeah. it's, it's a good thing. For sure. And this is a good town for it. Yeah. Did you uh, find it that tough? That makes me great. Did you find it tough to get back into civilian... Either like mode yes i did yes i did um and and i'm a guy who has been blessed with like a loving family and you know what we would call like a decent 
support network, you know, of, of people to kind of, to be there for me and spend time with me and, sure. and all that stuff. A lot of veterans, you know, go overseas and they see the things that they see and then come back stateside, you know, to a land of, you know, Wi-Fi and Walmart parking lots, mm. okay? And, you know, for a lot of guys, I don't know exactly how to say this, but it's kind of like this. Once you've jumped out of an airplane with a machine gun, the stuff that's going on at the county fair, ain't gonna, it, that, that, that don't do it for you anymore. Does that make sense? Hmm. Right? And so, uh, you know, a, a lot of times veterans have trouble finding, like, fulfillment and significance, right? Because... A month ago, the best guys I ever known were depending on me for their life. You know, now, you know, I'm, I'm picking up the kids and mopping the floor. You know what I mean? Like that, the, the disparity between like the disparity between the stakes is something that a lot of people have trouble, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of uh, acclimating to. Do you have any suggestions on how somebody whether it's an employer or anybody could like help that person get that purpose back. I mean, maybe, maybe they need to speak on the subject. Maybe they need, you know, like what, what is it? Yes. What could, what could give that person that purpose again? Uh, The way that a lot of people say it is that you need to find your next mission. Okay. That's, that's what it is. You know, like that same sense of fulfillment and purpose that you got out of your military service, there is a way for you to find that, you know, in the civilian world too. Sure. You know, you just got to find that bone to sink your teeth into. Yeah. And it's, that's, it's so interesting to me, you know, because one, like I, I don't know what it's like. Right. Yeah. Like I've, I haven't served in the, in the military and, um, you know, I have, you know, I, my, my father has, right. And so I can empathize with the families. I know what it's like. I know what it's like not having your father for a year. You know, my dad was a fighter pilot. He flew F-111s. He flew in Desert Storm. Like, I mean, and he was gone for for a long time and and stationed away from us, you know? Um, So I can empathize with the families, but like when you you start talking about like what it's actually like serving, you know, like, I, I don't know, but as an employer and somebody who wants to, that wants the very best for these individuals, like, I'm just, I'm fascinated because I, I, I want to know how to instill that purpose and I want to know how to, how to give back. I mean, so what would your suggestions be to our audience who is listening, which is very, a lot of business owners. We have a lot of business owners that listen to this podcast. Yeah. I mean, what, what can they do to give back and serve to, to the veterans? You know, like what, what can we do? Well, I think that, you know, if you look at some of the writings that guys like Sebastian Younger have done on, you're familiar with him by any chance? He's a he's a guy that wrote The Perfect Storm and a number of other like books. He's a, he's an excellent journalist, and he really tackled this subject. He tackled the subject of why it is that we have so much trouble reintegrating our veterans, especially our combat veterans, back into society. Okay. And his takeaway from it is that these guys go over there, they do some pretty intense stuff, they come back, and then 
there is this gaping divide between them and what they view as the civilian world. And just, you know, no one is kind of like reaching out the hand of friendship, you know, into that open divide, right? And is it the responsibility of the veterans to like to do that? Yes, they should be leaning forward in the foxhole to kind of to to make to make friends and to make connections and to try to kind of just one step at a time, you know, get themselves back into the fold. Is it the responsibility of the civilian community to like to try to reach out a hand and make a friend? It's it's everybody's responsibility, right? But we don't have any kind of like general societal event, right? That encourages these guys to kind of come and get out of their shell a little bit and, you know, make a friend and tell you about their experiences. Uh, they will, they will do it. Uh, it'll be therapeutic for them and good for you and the chance for, you know, everyone to build a relationship and, and make a friend. I think that that's, there's no kind, there's no quick, easy answer to it. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, but that's, that's where I'm at on it. Okay. It all starts with a conversation, right? I mean, yes. Yes. I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, I, I've talked to people that have served in the military before and, and they're, you know, you can never, you can never know what I've been through because you've never been through it. Of course. And as a civilian, I'm like, I could never know what you've been through because I've never been through it. And so that's almost, that's, that's where the conversation starts and ends. Right? Yes, exactly. And it doesn't, you're exactly right, Mike. And it doesn't need to end right there, you know? Um, so. I think yeah. I think that's I think that's really where it's at. True, it's effort. Yeah, I mean this is this has been incredible. Yeah, I mean <laughs> I mean like, I don't think I expected it to like go this direction, and but you know that's that's what's so awesome about doing this podcast. <laughs> like, I love it so much because it's just like I I don't know what I'm showing up for sometimes, and I just ask people to tell their stories, and yeah. then I just become infatuated with with that. Like I mean, what an incredible story. Um, well, I think we're really, you know, we're in unprecedented times now, right? Uh, the the trauma that people go through in traditional symmetrical warfare is different than the trauma that people go through in the modern asymmetrical warfare that we have been facing for the last, you know, decade, decade and a half of, of warfare, you know, that we've been engaging in, right? And so it's, it's an understandable thing when a guy who has to look at every dead dog on the street as if it might be packed with an artillery shell, mm. right? It's an understandable thing when that guy, you know, looks at someone, you know, with suspicion, you know, as, as someone's crossing the sidewalk in front of him or whatever, you know what I mean? Like it's when these guys go over there and they're on like vigilance level, like 11 for, you know, for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, right? The, the mental fatigue and the mental like taxation that comes along with that is just a different kind of fatigue and trauma than the sort of fatigue and trauma that we kind of are familiar with in terms of our traditional symmetrical World War II type conventional military activities, right? It's a, it's a different thing. And 
we've been engaging in, you know, up until recently, of course, you know, 10, 12, 15 years of sustained combat, combat activities with 12, 15, 18 month deployments. And I think that it's not talking out of school to say that this was all done without without a real plan as a nation about how we were going to deal with the consequences in the aftermath, right? Uh, like how we're going to deal with, with these guys and bring them back into the fold after we ask them to go out and do all this, right? Hmm. And so, so, so guys like us, you know, find ourselves here, right? Um, with, with good intentions, trying to move forward in a way that's going to keep our country you know, the, the strong, vibrant place that it is. Yeah. Does that lack of plan and vision, does that, I mean, I, I don't want to overly politicize anything for this podcast, but does that creep, creep itself into your mind whenever you're out there in Iraq on the, on the lines, crossing the border? Like if you're not, you talked about being in Prague on the Euro trip and looking around and seeing the, the civilians there that were mm-hmm. done bad by the government. Yes. And, and we get into that war and it's, it's some of that. It's a search for weapons that did or didn't exist. Yes. It's maybe what you're doing is protecting us on the home front after post 9-11. If you're not on board with why you're there, I mean, outside of protecting yourself and protecting the person next to you, I mean, is that a thing? And how does that creep into your mind? How does it affect your, your psychology when you're out there? Yeah, it's, it's absolutely a thing. And... I'll say this before I tell you that. Um, one of the things that I that I really love and that I'm grateful for about, you know, being here in 2019 is that when I think of what the Vietnam guys went through when they came back to America and they were cursed at and spit on, all right? And now I think of, you know, the debate you know, locally and nationally that we've had about, you know, the wars in, in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I see now a society where, you know, people can question the war without insulting soldiers and we, we can have like this conversation, mm-hmm. right? It makes me very, not just thankful, but very humbled. And when I think about what the Vietnam era guys went through, you know, there's a lot of burdens that I don't that I don't mind shouldering, but that is one burden that you know I'm not sure I could bear. You, you, know, oh, yeah. you, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so one thing that I love about where we're at right now is that we can have we can have these conversations, right? Um, someone who is you know completely against the war can sit down, shoot the breeze with me and get my perspectives as being someone who was, who was over there, you know, when all these bad decisions were being made. Right. Uh, and we can have, we can have a conversation about it. It's also something that I love about the Gainesville area and the Alachua County area. I feel like, and I'm not trying to get us off on another tangent, but I think that I don't know what it is, it's like something in the water around here. Maybe it has something to do with the fact that like, you know, 
North Central Florida has agricultural roots and all the stuff that kind of comes along with that. And then you add in, we have get a, a university here, or a big medical community here, and like, you know, and those voices, right? And I feel like that this area that we're in, you know, the Gainesville area is a place where, you know, yeah, there's some red, yeah, there's some blue, but like, it kind of like is a lot of purple too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I like the vibe around here and it's a cool place. And, uh, you know, it's, I'm happy to see that the town that I came back to is a town where like there's voices on different side of the aisle. There's voices on different side of the table. Uh, and I personally like really enjoy that. Like I, I enjoy getting out of my comfort zone. I enjoy hearing other people's perspectives that I don't, know about and that maybe I don't agree with, you know, like I'm cool with, I'm cool with that. And I like, I like that this is that kind of place. Now I'll answer your question. (laughs) (laughs) I think that we have what I call the soldier's compact, the soldier's contract, right? You know how like in society we have like, you know, the social contract that, you know, like that the old philosophers all talked about, you know, the first caveman sees the second caveman clobber the third caveman over the head with a club and then they all get together and they're like oh, okay well we don't want we don't want that you know so they all agree to kind of for each of them to give up a little bit of their rights to do whatever the hell they want at any point in order to like be reasonably free of getting clubbed at any time right you know that's like that's what they talk about the general the, the social contract all right well, there's another thing that I call the soldier's contract, and here's what it is. Soldiers agree to, to go in, to put on a uniform, to give up and to subordinate their right to do whatever the hell they want. They agree to go in, put on a uniform, and follow orders, right? As long as those orders are, you know, legal and moral and not, you know, a violation of uh, the Geneva Conventions, okay? You know, like, uh, soldiers agree to put on a uniform and go in and follow orders and do what they're told. There's another side to that coin, right? When people are willing to put themselves in harm's way, put everything on the line and make the ultimate sacrifice, then the people who are planning the stuff that these young men and women are fixing to go do, those people have a corresponding obligation to our soldiers to only risk their lives over worthwhile military endeavors that have been thought out and thought through diligently all the way to the end, right? With with the same degree of diligence that you would think through something on if your own son's life was on the line for it, okay? And that was clearly not done here. It was clearly not done here. So that's that's where I come down on that, you know? Um, these young men and women, you know, some of the best damn people I've ever known They put on the uniform, they went in, they did what they were told, and many of them, many of them didn't come back. That comes with an incredible 
amount of weight. It's heavy. Mm. And I always approach things with the mindset that if I'm going to order to you to your death, I'll do it. But I won't do it without having thought the whole damn thing through. Right? And that could be from the smallest, you know, squad level military operation all the way up to the biggest operation you can think of. Right? Um, and, you know, and I think that a lot of people see it the way that I do in that, in that regard. You know? So. Well, it's, it's great. It's, and did that answer your question? I mean, it does. It does. It's just, for one, it's it's tough for me because it's so far out of my arena, and I just like I, I'd say I'd say I can imagine, but but I can only try to imagine. Right. You know, I really I really can only try, and and I do try, but I just have no no basis for that, and I'm thankful that I have no basis for that. But it's just a it's a world that I'm in awe of. Um, you know th- things that I've gone through in life, but then it's like we said. I mean, there's there's so many analogies to business, not to not to make light of it, but it's the same. It's the same kind of thing. You talk about um, yes, it is. Uh, you know, make, making sure that everyone eats. Um, le- leaders eat, leaders eat last, right? Like it's the same kind of thing. And 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 in leadership, it's like there's so many things that even when people point back at at you and say, you know, they're unhappy about the job. It's like, look, I, I mean, I've literally thought this through and and for one I, I would never ask anybody on my team and and I got this from you and from from my parents and and any leadership I've ever known I'll never ask anything of anybody that I couldn't do or wouldn't do wouldn't be willing to do myself right and and so those kind of things I can draw the analogies to but it, yes and honestly like if that's where your heart's at then you would have been a good military leader right like some of these things can be taught you know, not everyone is born like some incredible leader, you know, mm. uh, some of these things can be taught. Some of these things, you know, some people are born with just like more in the tank, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to sure. kind of getting all that stuff just right. Mm. Uh, but you know, most of us do what we can with what we've got and the rest requires training experience and stumbling Right. You know, like the, the rest of us have to fail, you know, Mm -hmm. until we realize what works and what doesn't in other people's eyes. You know what I mean? This has been so incredibly interesting (laughs) and one hell of a story. Thank you so much for joining us this evening <laughs> I mean yes we're, like we're wrapping up and it's like 10 20 at night <laughs> so thank you for taking the time to be here um this was an incredible episode and I, you know with it being veterans day I just want to again say thank you to to you for your service um to my to my dad for his service and to every single military man and woman that has served um and continues to serve and you know like and to all the future you know men and women that will serve i'm just incredibly grateful for everything that you've done for this country and i mean the truth is like i wouldn't be able to do what i get to the, the what i have the honor to do every single day if it weren't for you guys 
So, so from the bottom of my heart, like, thank you so much. Like this was, this was awesome. I mean, to be able to do this on, on veterans day is like really special to me. Um, so dude, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. That's all I want to say is thank you for for coming on and sharing that incredible story and, you know, best wishes with the law firm and everything you're doing, ACR forever, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and to everybody who's listening, I mean, I have a couple of questions that I'm going to ask in the side hustle. you know, like we, we understand that not everybody can subscribe to our Patreon. Like, like, I, like I get it. Um, but if you get value from this podcast and you are able to sub- subscribe to our Patreon, uh, or hell, even just go to the website and like buy a t-shirt, like just know that the money goes to funding conversations exactly like this one. Um, my, my goal is for this podcast to live on as long as I live on. <laughs> and, um, and and it's it's podcasts exactly like this one that make it super special so so thank you i appreciate it man i'll tell you this um my experience in the military was the most formative professional experience of my life when i get the opportunity to uh talk with young people who are considering going in the service like i counsel them that it's it's a great ride and it's a great thing and uh I and, I and I always will. And I'm honored and humbled that you would have me, uh, of all people out here, to, to share today with you. And yeah, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. No, I mean, it, it, it's awesome. Keep doing keep doing you, keep doing your thing. And, and, uh, and, and if you are a business owner in Gainesville, please, you know, these men and women who have served, you know, interview, interview them and hire them. You know, uh, that, that's, that's all I can say. Mm-hmm. And can we plug your law firm? What's the name of yeah, your law yeah, firm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. where can people find you? So uh, I am chief cook and bottle washer <laughs> at, uh, <laughs> at, the, at the Wiseman Law Firm. I am a trial lawyer. I focus on uh, criminal defense and personal injury cases. So for a while I was a prosecutor and I was putting them in. Now I uh, help people when they've had a little scrape with the law. Okay. And so uh, that's that's my jam. I enjoy picking juries, and I'll be picking two next week. Right. So, so so Google the Wiseman Law Firm. Yes, sir. Right? That's W E I S M A N. And uh, dude, thanks thanks again so much for being here. This was uh, an honor. Super uh, I'm super s- yeah, super mm-hmm. super grateful that you were able to join us. And world, thank you so much for listening to the WHOA GNV podcast the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go whoa whoa, whoa. yeah there you go <laughs> we will see you later bye